From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask. No Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There was not one man in all our crew but knew what lay in store. For we had waited for that day through five long years of war. We knew that many would not return, but all our hearts were true. For we were bound for Normandy, where we had a job to do. That's Jim Radford singing what is the number one song on Amazon's singles chart. He was 15 on a ship's galley on June 6, 1944, making him the youngest known D-Day veteran. And it is all our luck that he can carry a tune. Yeah. Since he decided to sing a song. But that, yeah. that is that is some song. We have actually decided we're going to play the whole song at the end of the show. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty cool. Good luck keeping a dry eye. Uh, we're joined now by a good friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS News, uh, Major Mike Lyons significantly. Mike, how are you, sir? Good morning, guys. Great to be back with you today of all days. It's, it's always a pleasure. So as a, uh, a man who has actually commanded troops um, in combat, what do you think of when you think of D-Day? What, what thoughts spring to mind? Yeah, I think, first of all, Dwight Eisenhower and how he was the right person at the right place at the right time in history for the job and about how powerful he was to make the decision that he made, um, getting input from all his other commanders, there's a big report this morning on the weathermen about how we had an advantage on the weather in terms of what we knew, this, this slight window of when the military operation had to take place in order for it to succeed, and how the thrust of that was on his shoulders to make that decision, and how 
as soon as he made that decision to go, he delayed it for a day, and then the, the next day said, okay, we'll go, makes that decision, and he goes from being the most powerful man in the world to really the most powerless man. He, he has no power then. Everything is turned over to the local commanders to execute on the mission. And those men that day, 75 years ago today, executed it perfectly um, with uh, vehicles that were uh, newly invented, with airplanes that were just built uh, against an enemy to, to save um, to save tyranny for and civilization for what we know. I, I believe June 6, 1944 is the most significant day in the 20th century, and had it gone any differently, we would not see the world we have today. Jack mentioned some of the numbers behind the D-Day uh, invasion uh, in the last hour. The 5,300 ships, 11,000 airplanes, 175,000 men deposited in one area basically overnight with 50,000 vehicles of all types. It's just astonishing. No, it is. And you, know, you think of all the conditions that went into that and how... Um, you know, we dropped uh, airplanes and, and gliders. And, you know, men landed in fields uh, six hours before twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning in St. Mary Blades and places. The airborne troops jumped in from the sky against bullets that were there, and um, you know, whole, whole ships unfortunately were, were sunk in the channel, never made it out. Men were never even getting, got out of their boats. Uh, the level of sacrifice again was just amazing, I think. And you look at movies like Saving Private Ryan, you see what uh, what that sacrifice you see in the beginning of how that, that was something that's always with me. And um, it is the, the logistical, the, the wind-up of that fist. Never could take, couldn't do that again today because you wouldn't have the same element of surprise. Right, but, be impossible, uh, right. Be impossible. Well, and, and you can speak with much more authority than I can on this topic, but you have the contrast between the astounding, the nearly incomprehensible sophistication of the planning and then the the moment the paratroopers were in the fields and the troops hit the beach, to quote Colonel Paul Good, who was uh, briefing the 175th Infantry Regiment, 29th Infantry Division, he said, get your ass on the beach. I'll be there waiting for you, and I'll tell you what to do. There ain't anything in this plan that's going to go right. And right. so the minute you meet the enemy, then it's overcoming obstacles. It's it's changing right. on the fly. It's creativity and, and, yeah. and you know, and may the better force prevail. Yeah, and one thing that uh, our enemies, the, the Russians and the Germans, say about American forces back then is we don't pay attention to our doctrine and that, you're right, once we hit the beach and once the, the plan uh, meets enemy contact, everything goes out the window and it's down to American initiative and wherewithal, and that's really what separates our country. I, it, I, I saw it when I was in command in battle, and I see it every day and how we train. It's one of the undercurrents of, of how I think we raise our, our children. It's it's part of our athletic department. It's all it's all part of our culture that Americans will do whatever it takes uh, to get the job done. We had great intent that day. The intent, to your point, was take that beach and don't give it up once we did it, and 150,000 men made sure that was the case. So I was watching the NBA Finals last night, and there was some analysis where they were saying, you know, to win a championship, you got to have really good play, and it just takes some luck. And all the people that had won championships agreed that you got to have some luck on your side. What luck did we have on our side of the Allies for this to happen, aside from the weather, which is a pretty big deal? Yeah, I think the luck was one thing didn't go wrong. Um, you know, if one major aspect of it, in any big operation, there's always the one or two linchpins that if you pull those things out, it doesn't happen. We talked about 9-11, for example. If one stewardess just say, hey, you know, these guys look kind of funny in first place, first, first class, you know, something's going on with these guys, and pull those guys aside, the whole operation falls apart. So... That's what ha didn't happen during D-Day. There was not, you know, there wasn't a hidden German tank division that was on the horizon because uh, that's what it would have taken. Another, you know, a, a couple of uh, 360, 400 German tanks 
could have changed the entire picture of what happened that day. They could have wreaked havoc along the beach and could have thrown those American, Canadian, and British forces back into the sea. That's where we got lucky. There was not that one linchpin that when you pulled it out, the operation totally changed. Well, in getting back to the weather, my understanding of it was that the meteorologist told Ike, you could probably do it on June 6th, looks okay. And he mm-hmm. said, all right, let's do it. And they also told him, listen, a week from today, it ought to be great. And as it turns out, a week from today turned out to be the most severe windstorm ever seen in yeah. that region. They just got it that wrong. And if I could said, yeah, we can wait a week. I mean, that, yeah. that might have turned human history. Yeah, it also was the moon. They wanted to make sure that the moon was right. Uh, you attack at dawn uh, as the sun comes up in the enemy's face, and, and having the moonlight to travel along the channel was something that was important to him. So the moon would have been less uh, a week later there, too. But um, And he already delayed it a day, and that's the thing. Uh, having been in a combat zone where we had the same thing, we were D-2, and we were put on hold back in Desert Storm, I could tell you this, when you're, when you're leaning forward ready to go and you're on your vehicles and all of a sudden you get told to wait, uh, that creates a whole different situation. Now, you multiply that by 150,000 troops, that's a pretty significant waiting period. He knew those troops were on those ships. He knew they were going to be seasick if they didn't get moving, so he only could wait only 24 hours. There seems to be a, um, um, a lack of understanding of what happened after June 6th as the, the battle for Normandy went on for two and a half months and a lot of people died. It's called the breakout at St. Lowe, and that just has to do with the kind of terrain that was there and how the Germans were able to reinforce some of their units. Uh, we were not able to get an, you know, enough equipment there and, and, to figure, and to figure out a place to, to, again, break that front line and move uh, in a direction due east at the time, head first to Paris and then uh, eventually through the Rhine, uh, across the Rhine into, into Berlin. But it took them a couple of weeks. Um, they were trying to get uh, through the middle of July, so D-Days in June. Uh, by the end of July, August, the breakout starts to take place. And then Operation Market Garden, the Battle in Arnhem, takes place in uh, in September, which was a, unfortunately a failure from the Allies' perspective. It was the plan from the Brits in order to try to end the war quickly. Uh, that was a movie, A Bridge Too Far. But um, but again, it, it was some heavy battles that took place uh, along the St. Lowe area that uh, that took place after D-Day. Right. I think what's forgotten, what Jack was pointing out, is the, uh, the amphibious assault and the paratroopers, the rest of it, was to give us a chance to retake France. And once the the assault was successful, then commenced the many weeks long battle, which was uh, terribly, terribly costly. And so yeah. I just don't want people who are, you know, casual fans of history to think, okay, so we uh, we, we landed on the beach and beat the Germans and then just went and uh, enjoyed some champagne in, in Paris. It wasn't like that at all. It was just no, no. Yeah, Paris was liberated till the summer and uh, you didn't have VE Day until April of you know, 1945. You you hen- ended up, again, Market Garden. The U.S. lost a couple hundred thousand troops between D-Day and uh, the, end of, uh, the end of the war in Europe. Yeah, the Battle of the Bulge that took place uh, in, uh, in December. So you follow Echo Company, first of the 505th Band of Brothers. You follow one of those units, and you can see that they endured tremendous hardship from the second that they landed on D-Day, and those guys in particular parachuted in. Well, Mike Lyons, we appreciate you coming on today to give your perspective, and I guess we all hope that we never have a day that uh, that bests that in terms of defending the free world. Yep. Mike, yeah, Mike. Yes, I'm sorry. We've got like 20 seconds left. So just uh, one, one thing on today, a day like today, just be an American worth fighting for, because uh, some uh, men died for us uh, 75 years ago today, and that's how we got to live our lives right now. And are still doing it today. Don't forget that, Mike Lyons. Thank you so much. 
When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.